Welcome to Dr. Thoughts, a smart, driven, and fabulous podcast by Drs. Ryan LaValle and Kalia Johnson, where sometimes it's about occupation and sometimes it's just sassy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dr. Thoughts. It is everybody's favorite auntie, Dr. Kalia Johnson, and I am here with everybody's favorite former youth minister, Dr. Ryan LaValle, <laughs> and our special guest, Mr. George Barrett. So, George, with yes. Dr. Thoughts, we ask everybody to name themselves as a favorite. So, who, who are you? Everybody's favorite what? I think I'm everybody's favorite laugher because I just oh. like laugh from like a deep place and it's obnoxiously loud. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I, like I think it. that I'll go with that. And so okay. you'll hear, hopefully you'll hear that and I won't like, you know, blow your eardrums out. Right, well, I'm deep. looking forward to that. Yes. Breath laugh. It's going to be my, my new, my new tickle buddy. <laughs> that, deep, that deep breath laugh from the dips. <laughs> oh me all right so yes. ryan i'm gonna point it point it to you to, yeah to so i would love to introduce my good gal pal george barrett hey girl hey girl hey, hey. <laughs> George and I have been friends for quite a while. We also actually work together. George is the executive director of the Marion Cheek Jackson Center here in Chapel Hill, Carborough, and does amazing work in affordable housing, older adults, as well as just general community building from an abundance-based perspective that I'm sure that he can give you workshops on all day long, um, which he will do if you want to pay him. Anyways, um, sure. <laughs> Um, but we asked George here not because he's an amazing um, activist and community leader, but because he has some interesting experiences in church, um, just like Dr. Kalia Johnson and I do. And so in our friendship, we've talked about it a good bit. And I thought he would be a great guest to have on our podcast to talk about experiences in church, because as we all know, church is an important and meaningful occupation for many people. And spirituality is lived out in our everyday in many different ways. So we're going to talk about our experiences and see what that looks like and see where we're at, um, where we came from and, and where we're going in some of those practices in our everyday life. So Clea, where yeah. did you start in your church or spiritual experience? Yeah, so I guess to, to start this out, I'll situate us geographically. So I think every... Listeners know that that I'm from the South, but they may not know I'm from Georgia. Grew up in a town, small town east of Atlanta, um, between Atlanta and Athens, Monroe. Um, and, you know, it's a small, fairly conservative town. And so I, you know, grew up attending a Southern Baptist church. You know, I was a Sunday school goer. You know, if we had two and three, so we're at all. My, my um as a church club father a deep life um, and my grandfather was a pastor um you know so it, it church was um in everything I guess that I experienced growing up um but as a, a teen um you know my parents wanted to make sure that I was 
still rooted in church, but was a part of a fairly large youth group, youth ministry. And so I actually left my home church and went to my now father-in-law um, to, to his church because he had a very large youth ministry. And the other thing that I really enjoyed about that church was that it was also heavily rooted in community service and community activism. Um, my father-in-law was known as being um, not just the pastor of Mount Enon um, at the time, but he was somebody you saw at city council meetings and school board meetings and just out in the community. People needed things. That's who they called um, and that sort of thing. And so you know, I, I sort of had this idea of what church was supposed to be from those experiences, um, but also thinking about, um, you know, sort of the, the church, the Black church that you hear about from the civil rights movement. So feeling like you had a piece of that as a child was important, um, but it didn't stay that way for me. Um, moved to North Carolina to, you know, come to UNC for the PhD program. And it was the first time I attended a predominantly white church. Um, but I was sort of drawn to the church because it, it boasted that it was a, had a large presence in the community. They did a lot of international work and um, was really about that life. You know what I mean? Um, they were seemingly inclusive um, with the exception of allowing people from the LGBTQIA community being leaders in the church, which I found to be very problematic. Um, and then sort of realizing that people from the Latinx community had to have, had had their church in a separate part of the building and, you know, just started noticing things, right? And it, for me, um, I think the moment that the slaying of members at Mother Emanuel in Charleston happened and not a single, single word was uttered in church service about it and about caring for Black parishioners, like I couldn't sit in service. I couldn't even stay and got up and left and another two to three years went by before I actually went back to church again. Um, so I've, you know, had a sort of like int very intimate relationship with church um, and then just really, really, really fell off, um, but slowly came back to it, but really only interested in intending churches rooted in black liberation theology. Like if, if you weren't about that, I didn't want any parts of it. Um, and so and a little bit later, I can kind of tell you, tell you all where I am in my faith journey, but that's sort of my, my history with, with church and church goings on. <laughs> yeah. George, does that resonate with your experience at all or? Yeah, I was, I was, I was just thinking about how, uh, you know, your, Clea, your experience starts doctorally. I am so sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Just call me, call me auntie. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I was like, let me just like say your, let me just give the respect where respect is due. Um, but anyway, I had a similar experience and like my leaving of church was because, I'm, and it was because something that happened like in the United States, um, you know, my leaving of church was because of um, Amendment 1 that happened in North Carolina, and I got into a Facebook fight with my youth pastor at the time. And this was this was sophomore um, year of college, and so Amendment One was like a you know a LGBTQ discrimination bill that was happening in North Carolina. And at that point, sophomore year of college, I was like I was doing theater. I was I wasn't out yet, 
Um, but I was like real close. I was like, yeah, this is gonna happen soon. I might've made out with a few guys at a theater party at that point. So like, you know, the, the door was open. The door it's was open. always the theater party. Always a theater party. <laughs> always, always. It's a safe space, but maybe it's not. That's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I remember getting into, but that but I remember getting into a fight because my political ideologies had changed so much in the two years that I had been at um, UNC. And I remember getting into a fight with my um, youth pastor on Facebook. And then like I had other friends coming to bat for me and it was like this huge thing. And that was actually when I was like, you know what? I'm not going back to this church. Um, but to give context of how we got to there, I grew up very Pentecostal. Um, mm. And so yes, very Church of God <laughs> Pentecostal. And so for those of you who don't know what Pentecostal is, that is the like, laying of hands, slain in the spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, run run around the church, like girl, get your breakthrough however you need to get your breakthrough type of situation. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, that's kind of, that. that's the space that I grew up in at this church in um, Charlotte. So I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and I was very, very deeply invested in the church. I was one of those, every church has, you know, the congregation, and then it has the smaller congregation that actually does all of the work, and mm -hmm. I was in that smaller congregation. I was on the praise team. I was on the drama team, which also should have been assigned, but whatever. Um, I was on, I was like a youth group leader, like did, was in the choir. I was at church Wednesdays all night, um, sometimes Fridays for youth stuff, um, and then Sunday, all day Sunday, because we had morning and we had evening service. So I was in church. So I never. So my weekend was like Friday night and Saturday, because Sunday it was Sunday was for God. Um, and you know, during this experience, like we were really, I mean, somewhat small, like a 200, 300 person congregation in oh. um, in Charlotte. So like, and somewhat big, but kind of still kind of small and intimate. Um, and it was very much, I was very deeply invested in it. That was like my main community. Like those, the people there were like who I was closest with. They were some of my best friends at the time. I felt like we were, we had such a bond, not only in like our faith, but just like, just as friends and as peers. Um, and even, and during this time though, like, you know, especially around high school, I still, I knew I was like, oh, okay. I knew I was gay. Like I knew I had, or at least I knew I wasn't straight. Um, but repressed a lot of it because it was also the church that was like, that was basically being like homosexuality is a sin. Like we can pray homosexuality out of you. Like nobody went to a conversion camp, but that's what I know of. So like, who knows, but like, I would not put it past this church. Um, but, and so I knew all these things and was struggling with all of these things. Um, but at the same time felt this like intense community. And also my church was in a weird way, speaking about freedom, because we were speaking so much about freedom of praise, and you don't have to praise a certain way, and you can do whatever you want, and express yourself however you want, and it was also a very diverse church, where actually many of the, like, families were um, biracial families, uh, or multicultural mm -hmm. families, so it was also, nobody ever was explicit about it, but it was, like, this undercurrent of, like, this place where also, like, we, people across, like, races, you know, would, would be together and get together and create families. Um, so that was also very interesting while also being at the same time, ideologically and politically very conservative and probably most likely Republican, but also nobody said their political ideologies. Um, mm -hmm. So there's all these like weird layers 
coupled with this like intense like fiery fire and brimstone like like church service like if if, no, if if somebody did not fall out god wasn't present so you ain't doing it right <laughs> you ain't doing it right you didn't call the spirit if god if somebody didn't fall out mm -mm. if mother mary didn't fall out you didn't do something right if somebody didn't speak in tongues and like give you a direct word from god like being like hey i'm talking to him and here's what he's saying he wasn't there he wasn't present <laughs> So anyway, That's so interesting because that actually uh, that happens in the Catholic Church, and a lot of people don't know about it. Really, oh. there is charismatic Catholicism. I'm yeah. interested. I'm so interested. Oh yeah, this is new to me. <laughs> yeah, you need to teach us a lesson because I don't know about. Yeah, this. <laughs> no, I mean it's really interesting. I mean, I grew up in West Virginia where there's not a lot of Catholics, and and that's actually what pushed me further into the church is that like. I I didn't have a big community and it was sort of like in reflection of like I was different but I also grew up sort of half in the Baptist church half in the Catholic church my mom's side of the family is all Baptist and my dad's side is sort of Catholic in routine um, is what I'll say I think um, we would always go to church we always went to Catholic mass I went to Catholic uh, like private school elementary um, until public school um, but then when I got to public school um, I was like the Catholic to go to because there was like no other Catholics in the school. And I was the one who would like name it and say it. And then people were starting to like ask me questions and like try and fight me about the Pope and stuff. And so it really became like this, like people put the identity on me and I, I just dove straight in. And so part of it, I was the president of my Catholic teen club um, in high school and we went to youth rallies. Um, and Steubenville, um, Ohio is one of the sort of more conservative Catholic places. And they have a youth rally there every year. And at those youth rallies, like people are falling over in the peace. They're getting gift of tears from God and crying. Like I, that was language that I even used from some of the experiences that I had there. Um, but it's like, that's what's so interesting about the Catholic church is that there's this spectrum of like full on, like gift of the spirit speaking in tongue side to fully the other side of like we're just going we're going to go to mass on on easter <laughs> and on christmas and we're going to light our candles and then we're going to leave you know and there but we're all still calling ourselves catholics in a lot of ways um but you know so it's it was an interesting place for me to grow up because i saw that there was more than one way to do religion immediately um, both within the Catholic church, but also because I was like going to Bible school in the summer with my aunt and uncle. Um, and my, also my uncle is amazing and he is a, a ordained minister, but also like a DNA specialist. So like science and religion were like always there and was like, these aren't totally exclusive. And so it was always really great to hear him talk about the way that he did religion. Um, but it was also a little bit of like a cluster in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. That's so it's so it's so funny you talk about your uncle because my mom is like deeply Christian and like loves God and was and still somewhat connected to the church that I grew up in. But also she's like a biologist. Like she has a master's in like biochemistry. So I grew up like, you know, when my pastor would say, uh, I'll believe in that evolution because we, humans don't come from monkeys. My mom on the drive home would be like, pastor has no idea what he was talking about because humans did not evolve from monkeys we evolved from like 
evolved apes. Like that makes no sense. Like she was just like, <laughs> evolution is based on science. Do not listen to him. So I always do. It was so weird. I was like experiencing in the church, like people talk about things like that. But then my mom being like a scientist would always have like a practical, like, I love God, but also science is very real and you should believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I could definitely recall like a, a ride home after church when it was, no, it was Bible study um, is what it was. And there was a, uh, an older deacon. In fact, I can, I can picture his face in my mind right now. Um, just blurted out all educated people were going to hell. Oh, you know, yes. <laughs> and and <I> so, <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm very confused about that. Cause I'm like, I mean, I go to school and because I go to school, I'm going to hell. Like, you know, what, what, what does that even mean? Um, but you know, by parents who are both very well-educated people, you know, mom and educator, father was associate superintendent of schools at the time, but you know, before that taught science and health at Loganville High School, um, you know, had to explain to me sort of, it, you know, childlike terms, this tension between having education, right, sort of the ability to be able to question things and understand the, the spiritual and material worlds don't always, you know, articulate but reconciling that with like, that is what faith is, the, you know, ev evidence of, now I'm going to get the saying wrong, right? See, this is what happens when you stay out of church. So. I know, you lose all the phrases. You lose all the yeah. phrases. Oh, you lose, you lose everything. Um, what, the evidence of things hoped for and is something like that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But something like that, yeah. The, Corinthians or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can I cuss it's, on it's you? In, it's yeah. in there somewhere. Okay, cool, it's cool, in cool. there somewhere. It's in, it's in the good book, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, but this this just tension between um, science and faith that is so unnecessary. Unnecessary. <laughs> unnecessary. So unnecessary. Like, why can't they work together? Like, all science is, is like, I mean, I'm making a very general statement, but like science is like trying to understand our world. And the more you understand our world, like that's so much faith, like molecules, like, and like we're all based on like molecules and atoms like that's pretty like amazing and like supernatural like why are we not being like yes molecules and god like <laughs> why are we not doing that that's gonna be your quote yes molecules yes molecules and god, and god. that should that should have been that should have been in, in high school in like ninth grade we had to write a paper about whether we believe in creationism or evolution which now i'm realizing wow. like for our teacher, like very divisive, Miss Galazzi. Um, <laughs> but like, I remember writing about, I remember talking to my mom about that because I, I get deeply in the church and I remember talking to my mom to help me write this paper and talking with her about like, even Genesis, I was like, okay, like there's, there's God's time, which God's time can mean like thousands of years, but also like, how does the Genesis story relate to the evolution story and how do those connect? And like, are you doing those like interconnections between the two? Um, so yeah, I don't know why we didn't do more of that. That would have been a very generative, cool space. Tell you what, the Jesuits though, the Jesuits at Xavier, <laughs> we like, we did a lot of conversations around like the Catholic church affirms science in a lot of ways. And is like, 
yes, like I think they went the intelligent design route to a certain extent um, for a little bit, but really affirms like evolution as a thing and all this stuff. But the Jesuits like are exegesising, if that's a verb, the Bible and like historically contextualizing and seeing all these things. And that was part of the sort of deep dive that I did as like a college student that really was like, oh, like religion is way more complex than here's a book, you need to believe it. Um, it's like this whole sort of more in-depth experience that is connected to like so many more ideals and history and, and all these different things um, that I don't know. I think if we gave ourselves time to learn and listen and sort of excavate that a bit more, I think it could be really more powerful than what it has become in a lot of ways of just like rule books that people mm -hmm. throw at each other. Because that's the way we've used religion in, in this country. And I would argue in much of the world, I mean, it's, it's a tool of social control, mm -hmm. right? You know, we want to give you these guide, they say, you know, call them guidelines, right? So here are some things to help you live your best life. Um, but really it's about this is what you need to do and anything outside of that is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, but I like how you said that though, excavate, right? Making room for that in religion because is, is that not what it's supposed to be about? And without that, you know, how really solid are you in your faith anyway? Yeah, that's true. Like that's great. <laughs> like if you don't go outside to like learn about other things or like ask questions or like, you know, cha even challenge yourself. And it's like, what is that actually like faith? Because that's, that's more just like obedience, not faith. Right. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I did, the, yeah. yeah. The philosophy or religion course I took as an undergrad rocked my world. <laughs> you know, I think after every class I was calling my my dad to say like, oh my God, like we learned this today and look at all the parallels between like Islam and Christianity or, you know, some of these Eastern religions that I really hadn't read about before. And, you know, Siddhartha, that you look at, you, you look at the chronology of Jesus's life. It was like, everybody's borrowed from everybody, borrowed <laughs> you know? Everybody. And why, why are we so stuck on who's right and wrong when ultimately everybody's goal is not to go to hell, <laughs> you yeah. know? Nobody's like, I don't even think like Satan, I actually don't know anything about Satan. That's what am I saying? I'm talking out of my ass. Right? But like, I was like, Satanists don't want to go to hell. I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's incorrect. So I'm going to stop myself. Oh, but man. I think it's 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 interesting and true that like uh, there's so much of that motivation to get it right as opposed to live it out, you know, and and to and that's for me why I end up I I've left the church in a lot of ways because it's like there's so much emphasis on getting it right so that you get something, whether it's like heavenly peace or ultimate salvation or something, as opposed to like, y'all need to be working your shit out now here on earth. And, right. yeah. and so for me, like I was so much more connected to like the Catholic social teaching side of things and like the social activist side of the Catholic church that's still very much sort of informs my work and and the sorts of ways that I think about human dignity and stewardship of the earth and all that stuff but I'm like at this point I don't really give a shit what happens after I die I'm trying to save people's like quality of life and experience right now and like be mm -hmm. a good human with the other humans who are in this world 
with me right now. And Mm -hmm. for me, my experience in the church has not done that. Like as a queer person and beyond, it just wasn't a place where people were intent on building community together in a way that connected and and affirmed and loved everybody else. It was a place of exclusion for people who weren't doing it right. And that's not a place that I really want to be in a lot of ways, um, but there's still so much value in some of that activism and just loving each other. Like, mm-hmm. wasn't that the real message of most people? <laughs> right, right. Yes. You know, yeah. about love and stewardship and, you know, not you know, leaving the place better than than how you came into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Have, have either of you read the book Everything Matters by Ron Curie? No. I have not. Um, it's, so I read this book, I don't even know how, I think I got this book at a Goodwill in like, like, I think I was 23 or 24, like right after college. Um, and you could say that was, you could say that was God, you could say the universe, I don't know what it was, but this book just (laughs) popped out at the Goodwill and I was like, this makes sense. And I read it and it's about, um, the premise of the book is, is about this, uh, boy who at the, like, basically when he's born or like early age sees like the end of the world. Like he knows the end of the world is coming Mm. uh, and he just navigates his whole life knowing that the exact date when the world is going to end. And like reading that book, like towards the end of it, you basically, so it's a little bit of a spoiler alert, so so sorry. Um, But basically (laughs) like the ending is that like death is just like nothingness. It's just, it's not, you go to heaven. In this interpretation, you don't go to heaven. You don't go to hell. It's just absolute nothingness. And that book was such a major breakthrough for me, which then led me to do practices of like meditation and yoga and all of these like things to be present because I was like so liberating to be like, wait a minute. If death is just nothing, if it's just like absolute nothing, that then this gift that we have of life is so valuable. It is because it is finite and like, we should be taking, or and by we, maybe I should be taking every moment to like love the fact that I'm here, even the shitty times, because at the end of the day, when it's all done, like it's not going to be anything. So somehow I've gotten this gift to be conscious and to be a human and to recognize my reality. And that was such a liberating book slash also process to start doing other spiritual practices that focused more on like how do you stay present how do you stay in the present moment how are you aware and also just like bettering your life and the lives around people around you in this time right now and not coming from this place of like well it all will be better once I get to the by and by like it'll all be better Mm. once I get there it's like what if that's we actually all get together? Yes. <laughs> anyway, so but like, but like, like, why are we focusing? No, actually, not why you're focusing. Let me backtrack. For me, the things I'm thinking about is like, what if that's actually like a really critical thought? What if heaven and hell is like kind of an oppressive tool to like allow you to keep thinking about? all the things that are over there and just accepting what's happening on this earth because things are gonna happen better on the other side instead of being like, no, we need to focus on right now because this is all we got, this is it. Yes. Okay. Those are the thoughts that, so you're, you made me think about that. because No, are the I mean, I, I think that's totally true. I feel like 
I have had multiple Jewish people just look at me and be like, we don't believe in heaven and hell. Like, what's your deal? <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what, what are, you, are doing? you doing with this? Because like, <laughs> I, it's like, I, I had a conversation. I dated a Southern Baptist when I was in high school and I had very deep conversations with their parents. Most often it was very interesting. I got a whole book of Christian books from one of my girlfriend's dads one time. We were, we were Christian bros. Um, but I had a conversation with one of my girlfriend's parents at the time about this idea of being saved. And I was like, so if you're saved and then you go out and sin, like, and this was like the whole Catholic Protestant, like miscommunication. Cause in the Catholic church, there isn't like a saved thing. Like once you're baptized, you're baptized and then you try not to sin, you know? And there's like, it's like through great works comes great faith, not through great faith comes great works. And so it's like, there's this whole idea. And I was just like, what does this mean? And she was like, well, it means that you've given your, yourself to Jesus and your, your, you know, your heart is covered in his blood and you've been saved by him. And, and I was like, but like, what does that mean? <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, it means you're going to heaven when you die. And, and I was like, okay, but like, does that, is that like a license to sin now? Like you, anytime after that moment, you're like good to go. Like you have your save card and like, you don't have to love people. And she was like, well, if you then sin, then you weren't saved really the first time. And I was like, that's a cop out. That's not how that works. Yeah. That's you not know? how that works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what is this thing that we're so focused on the end as opposed to like, like Jesus had to live too, right? Before he could die. And so if you're coming from that Christian perspective, it's like his life is the lesson, not his death. Mm-hmm. Should have been a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> you can still preach. You can preach, you know, OT justice. I love it. I teach, <laughs> I, I will preach OT justice and drag queen liberation. Yes. All day long. <laughs> that's know, a text I want to pick up. Right. I want to know what that communion looks like. Yeah. I need to know immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and how many chapters are in this and like what are all the parables because i need lessons right church, <laughs> church never starts on time church is supposed no. to start at 11 it starts at 2 p.m <laughs> it never starts on time oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. Well, the praise and worship but the praise and worship is fire i, I know that i i would imagine so fire, yes. fire. <laughs> So coming to the present, where are you all now in, in your all's experiences of spirituality and church and sort of practicing spirituality with others? Yeah, I'm, so for me, like, so I think I'm, I, I, one thing I recognize is I will never not be culturally Christian because like being black is being culturally Christian, like, or like, I, I don't know, or I, I it just, or the, so the surroundings that I'm at, where I'm at, like, it's just so ingrained in the culture. Like, I, I, you know, if I get a good parking spot, I'm like, look at God. Like, I'm not actually <laughs> saying, I'm not fully 100% being like, oh, God did this, but I'm just natural. It's just a natural thing to be like, oh, look at God. Look at that, you know, even though it's, so it's a layered thing of like, possibly maybe God, but also like the universe and like some, like, but also maybe my ancestors, like, it's just, my practice now is like, not necessarily tied to a thing. It's just more of exploratory. Um, and like, what I'm currently in the present really exploring, which I'm really into is like magic and tarot cards and like, mm. you, and some of that stuff and just interested and even like crystals and things like that. And 
it just because it's just it's just so fascinating there's so many layers there's so many interpretations I have now like my own little like altar over here with my like lapis lazuli like stone and my like car tarot card of the of the week and stuff like that because I just think it's such an interesting practice that also builds off of you know Jewish mysticism and Christianity and pagan practices and like different practices from different cultures and the more I'm learning about it also the more I'm really excited about it because it's making me be like oh well maybe also like as a black person um, in this country I'm recognizing more about how specifically Christian Christianity you know was given to slaves and is it could be is a tool of the oppressor and feel like there's possibly a liberation that I'm having with going towards these like non like Judeo-Christian practices because maybe it connects more with like ancestry because I'm half I'm half Liberian my father is a Liberian immigrant um and I'm like maybe there's some like connections there and it's just it just seems more open and intersectional and abundant and just there's more space um so I'm really I've become more spiritual in that realms of 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 doing those practices and really valuing like slowing down and meditation <laughs> and also just like trying to listen to whatever the universe or my my fave girl intuition my ride or die intuition <laughs> we are having we are just gaining a better and better relationship as the days go on we are talking and just trying to do that and more of that work um but not and so not pushing away fully Christianity because I but like thinking about it as a one piece of many in this spiritual journey that I'm on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah now speaking of the the being culturally Christian that is something I actually have struggled with a bit right because it's like you said it's something that is has sort of been forced upon us right and yeah, so generationally yeah. um it's been something that you know black people in this country have have practiced um oh, yeah. Yeah. uh routinely maybe um but but it's something that is very much a part of, of of what we do um but here in the last um year or so I've really been in and study like weekly study with a, a group of black muslimas um because i'm really really drawn to to islam um and particularly the um prayer practice and, and the discipline of it just found it to be so much more grounding um than what i was finding in christianity the fact that um you don't have an intercessor intermediary between you and allah you know and you know, there's no erasure of Jesus, right? Jesus is, is very much a part of the religion, but it's really about having that relationship with Allah, right? Directly to God. And that um, really resonates with me. But not only that, but just the way that um, women in the religion really take care of each other. Mm. And in my experience with um, the Muslim community, like they don't treat the religion as something that's already meant for them kind of like having church for churched folk, like it's supposed to be for unchurched folk, right? That's how we should really uh, approach the practice. And so um, that is, has just been so um, liberating for me and healing in a way, because I felt like I was in so much conflict about 
my spirituality when really it wasn't a spirituality, it was a religion, mm-hmm. you know, and um, finding um, what I, what I believe to be the, the best fit for me. Um, and just to, to clarify for everybody, I have not officially done a proclamation of faith. So I have not taken Shahada, but um, I anticipate that I will sometime in the near future. So um, that's, that's where, where I am. Uh, How about so you, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so interesting to think. Um, I, I'm often asked by different people in my life, um, you know, sort of like, where's your church or, or what is your church and, and what's your spirituality? Or even the question of like, do you believe in God? And that question for me is like, I don't care right now. <laughs> like I'm trying to save the people and connect with the people and love the people and loved by the people who are next to me in life right now. And that's, that's where my heart and my soul is oriented towards and doing spiritual work is having conversations like this, like this is like, you know, I always hear of like old Jewish rabbis just sitting around like talking about the Torah and like debating <laughs> things and having conversations. And, and I really find a lot of practice in just connecting with humans and, and talking about the ways that we can love each other better and in stronger ways. Um, and so for me, it's like, I don't need to answer the question of whether God exists at this point, because I'm not yet to him or her or it or whatever. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here right now with the people around me. And my church is sitting in a community meeting and talking about the experience of older adults as they are queer and trying to figure out how to live in this country you know, and, and that sort of thing for me is church. That's what church was, I think, originally meant to be in that it was communities coming together to support each other and, and learn to love and grow together. And somewhere, somehow, I feel like it got pushed into something it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> um, and so I, I reclaim that sort of origins of our, our organizing and our, our activism to be loving and, and protecting each other as humans, as, as my church. Um, but I don't, I don't, I also consider myself sort of culturally Catholic. Like I can, I can speak the language. I can argue about the Bible. I can do all of that stuff. But for me, I'm not a practicing Catholic. Um, I'm a practicing human, um, and not in the humanist weird way, but like, (laughs) and like, uh, just, I want to love people and connect with them and figure out how we can do this thing called life together in a lot of ways. So thank you all for being part of my church. (laughs) Thank you. Hallelujah. Not my church. Oh Lord. I don't want to be at the top of the church. We already have, you are, what's your, we already named your church, Ryan. <laughs> what was it? The Church of OT Justice and Drag Liberation? And Drag Liberation. <laughs> AME Zion. <laughs> oh my God, not AME. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, oh okay, my then. goodness. Yes, yes. I'm here for that church. I'd go. Me I think too. You go every time Stormy Day gets on that stage. Every girl, <laughs> church. Every time. I that is church. Like a drag show, like House of Cox drag show is actual church. Like legitimately. Yeah. Someone should write about it if nobody has. Um, I did Lavalley 2017, developing the transactional perspective of occupation for communities. How well are we doing together? Look it up, Ooh. Journal of Occupation. Um oh, can you can okay. you recite the DOI too? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, 
There is a vignette in there about a drag performance by Brigitte at the time, not Barho, but um, Brigitte Kiss now. And it is the my interpretation of what drag queens do for church for the queer community. So sending you to the literature. How have you never sent have you never sent me to that? We've been friends all these years. Well, the whole first like nine tenths of the article is all like Dewey and pragmatism theory. So I don't feel oh. like that's really where you want to be. <laughs> but... I mean, yeah, no, I love exposition and context, but I don't know if I'm all about that. Yeah, well, I'll send you the last <laughs> few pages of the article. Okay. okay, we can do that. We can do that. Awesome. Well, this has been an incredible conversation, y'all. Just so... Um, insightful and and intersectional but critical at the same time and um really drawing so many similarities in our experiences whether it was you know in pentecostal southern baptist you know catholicism um just how 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 much church operates from the same um vantage point really for people um and sort of how it directly impacts people's spiritual journeys you know um and this you know sort of thought that came to me here in the end it's like if I had to sort of wrap up the messages you know sort of radical in your spirituality not your religion you know um be be radical in your walk and in your your self-love and love of others but, um absolutely yeah so good jesus was a revolutionary mm. re- re- look say that again please remind <laughs> the folks in the back <laughs> who seem to forget yeah right. jesus was a ragamuffin revolutionary there's some Ooh, a ragamuffin revolutionary i'm here for that yes <laughs> amen Oof. to that well thank amen. you george so much for coming on and sharing your experience and thank you as always dr kalia johnson for partnering on these conversations with me Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. See you all next time on Dr. Thoughts.